Some of you, you realize that you've been annoying to somebody. Don't just pull your phone out and text them. You're being self-centered. It's all about you. And so when somebody is loud, when someone's sleeping, it's because they're not thoughtful of somebody else. When a spouse in marriage is being annoying, it's because it's all about, I just want to change you right now. And I can't handle it anymore. And none of that has to do with love. It has everything to do with pride. If you have siblings, it's almost a guarantee that at some point, or maybe many points, they've annoyed you. As Pastor Daniel continues in the series God's Tweets, he'll point out that the book of Proverbs has quite a bit to say about being annoying. You'll learn that pride and self-centeredness are the root causes of this behavior. When your focus is on yourself, you don't see or even care about how your choices affect the people around you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Proverbs chapter 27 as he continues his message, One Liners. Jesus has come to offer satisfaction to people. Like, I'll give you a great example. People are looking for love. It's like a universal human condition. People want to be loved. But you know what happens? When someone doesn't know Jesus, they will accept any old, broken version of love that's possible. Because all you want is to be loved. Sure, that person loves you, and they hurt you, and they hit you, and they take advantage of you, but they love me. Listen, when you come to know Jesus, you realize that that's not real love. See, to a satisfied soul, you start to realize what I'm really, who I really am. And see, you and I need to find our satisfaction in Christ because that soul satisfaction that comes from knowing Jesus will then define all the other ways I look at the world. See, we have to be satisfied in Christ because if we're not, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. I mean, look at what it says in verse 8. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. See, the nest for a bird was a place of protection. It was their home. It was where they stored food and all these things. But how many people are wandering from their place because they're unsatisfied? People are wandering from their marriages, wandering from their families, wandering from their careers because they're not satisfied. But the thing is, is what they're looking for isn't going to satisfy them either. That's the thing. Because know what we find here? If you go down a bunch of verses, I had read it earlier in verse... um, 20, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. See, what it's saying is that the abode of the dead, hell and destruction, it's never full. It's not like, okay, yeah, uh, there's uh, no vacancy in hell. There's, There's always room for more. And in the same way, when somebody is in the flesh, when somebody is not allowing Jesus to satisfy their soul, there is never enough. You'll never make enough money. You'll never have enough possessions. You'll never have enough toys. You'll never have enough channels on your computer. Your internet will never be fast enough. You'll never have the best technology. Why? Because you are seeking to satisfy yourself in a way that will never truly satisfy you because Jesus is designed to be your satisfaction. 
So what happens is, is you're like, I, just, I, I long for love, and everybody does. But when you meet Jesus, you realize that, oh, Jesus fulfills my longing for love, and now I can actually have a healthy relationship with another person because I'm not looking to them to completely complete me, no matter what Tom Cruise says. That was another one-liner. You complete me. It's working so good for Tom, right? No person can complete. Jesus completes you, and that person gets to share in the completeness that you have in Christ. But if you don't find that completeness, you're always looking for someone who completely. You date lousy guys, terrible girls. It never works. You're always looking for the next one. And then right as you land the person that you want, then you're on the track. Like, oh, well, they're this, and they snore, and they have bad breath after they eat sushi or whatever. And so I need someone who doesn't have any hair on their arms. You know, and it's like, and then you, you, you I'm just making this up. And then you leave them, and you go find somebody else, and then you. They start dating them, and okay, I got it, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, but I can't believe it. They listen to talk radio. I mean, who listens to the radio? You know, or whatever it is, and it's never satisfied. Same thing. You're like, man, I'll be satisfied when I make a little bit more money so I can buy a new house. And you buy a new house, and you know what happens? Somebody buys the lot next to you, and they build a custom house. And they got, they got not only the, the three-car garage, but they have like the RV garage in the back. And you're like, oh man, I, my house is just a piece of junk. <laughs> you know, and, and, like, and you could do this in any area, and all of a sudden what you find is that you're constantly grasping for something that will never be satisfied. Because when you bake everything down, what you find is that what you're really looking for only comes in Christ. Because like, let me give you an example. Many people worried about retirement, right? So it's like you're saving, you're saving, you're saving, you get your retirement account, and then you retire, Right? But you have no peace about retirement, even when you hit your retirement number. Why? Because what you're really looking for is security about the future. And guess what? No matter what the number is in your bank account, you will not have security for the future. You know where that comes from? It comes from the Lord. It comes from saying, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I trust you. And I trust that you will not keep your kids begging bread. You're looking for security. You're trying to find it in a bank account or in an annuity or in a pension plan or the stock market, which is a fool's errand, trying to find security in the stock market, you know? But it's like, you're trying to find it there. You're trying to find love. So you're grasping for love. It's never satisfied until you know the love of Jesus. And then you realize that whoever you're loving, they're imperfect and so am I. But God has called me to build a family with this person with their quirks and their good parts and their bad parts, and, and you become content in that love. That's why Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Satisfied. Are you unsatisfied today? Are you like that great English theologian Mick Jagger? I can't get no satisfaction. It's a great song with a great intro bass line. We all dig it, because everyone digs the base, amen? (laughs) But there's satisfaction available for you in Christ. And that's why it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, that godliness with contentment is what? It's great gain. There is great gain when somebody finds Jesus and becomes godly and then learns how to be content with what God's hand has provided. Godliness with contentment is great gain because we need to be satisfied. Now, I'll be honest. Our next point is hands down my favorite. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm telling you up front, I just think this is so rad. And I love that this is in the Bible. 
I love it. Look at verse 14. So good. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. Okay, you ready for this one? This is deep. You guys ready? You think you're really ready? Don't be annoying. (laughs) This is the counsel. Don't be annoying. In each one of these verses, you have these two cases of an annoyance when somebody is being annoyance. The first one, verse 14, he who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. Now, how many of you here are not morning people? That's why you're at the second service. Like, who's going to find me at 1115, right? Now, imagine what it's like when you're not a morning person, and sure enough, somebody shows up at 5 in the morning. Hey, it's so great to see you. Oh, it's a great day, right? How does that go? That goes bad. It goes bad. Why? Because that person is being annoying. See, now, listen, I give my son Obadiah a hard time. Why? Because he's me, and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? So Obadiah is my guy who, at all hours of the morning, he wants to chit-chat. So he's the guy who is like 3.30 in the morning, and Obadiah comes busting in the, in the room, and everyone's sleeping, and he's like, Dad, I was just reading about helicopters, and I want to build a helicopter. <laughs> and I'm just like... I'm going to stick you in a helicopter. (laughs) I want to kill him when he does that. And so, sure enough, I'm like, go to bed. You know, that's how it goes. Like, I'm the pastor, I love Jesus, and all I got is go to bed. I can get out like little short, terse sentences. Right? And then the next morning when Obadiah wakes up, I'm like, buddy, what was up with the helicopter? I was like, oh, dad, I'm so excited, I'm going to build a helicopter. And I'm like, buddy... At 3.30 in the morning, he's like, I was just so excited. (laughs) And I start plotting ways to do away with my son. (laughs) But he's just like me. I do the same thing to Lynn. Not about a helicopter, but something else, you know? Poor kid's got no hope except for his mom, you know what I mean? It's like, praise God for Jesus and my wife. But here's the thing. Do you know why someone's annoying? Because they're selfish. See, I'll talk to Obadiah about it. i be like, now, buddy, listen. I'm excited that you're excited about helicopters, but do we talk to each other before 7 o'clock in the morning? He's like, no. I'm like, exactly. So write it down when at 7 o'clock, come talk to me about it. All right? But he's excited, and he's not thinking about anybody else. He's just thinking about what he wants. And, like, I get it, so I don't knock him for it, but... He's being annoying. And, I, and as a parent, it's my job to de-annoy my son. Like, I'm rooting that annoying thing out of him. Right? But at the same time, so you have this one example, the friend who's boastful or loud in the morning. And then, of course, verse 15 and 16, a contentious woman. It's like a continual dripping. Listen to Proverbs 19, 13. A foolish son is a ruin to his father, and the contentions of a wife 
are a continual dripping. Now, how many have ever heard a joke about a nagging wife? Anybody? Everyone's like, no, let's go. I ain't going there, buddy. You're on your own. <laughs> we got to pray for that brother, whoever said, oh, yeah. He's like, my wife's watching online. She didn't, she's not here. <laughs> Listen, marriage is a great discipleship tool because everybody's quirky in marriage. Amen. And just because it brings up the wife does not mean that husbands are not annoying either at times. Amen? <laughs> All the wives are like, yeah, you got to dig your way out. It's going to take a lot more than that, Fusco. Anyway, you have to realize this. Being annoying to your spouse will never produce the righteousness of God in them. Now, why are we annoying? We're annoying because we're selfish. Now, right now, some of you, you realize that you've been annoying to somebody. Don't just pull your phone out and text them. You're being self-centered. It's all about you. And so when somebody is loud, when someone's sleeping, it's because they're not thoughtful of somebody else. When a spouse in marriage is being annoying, it's because it's all about, I just want to change you right now. And I can't handle it anymore. And none of that has to do with love. It has everything to do with pride. So... The key is, is don't be annoying. And one of the best ways not to be annoying is not to be selfish. Because is it when you're being selfish, isn't it annoying? When someone's being selfish in your direction, isn't that annoying? Because they don't even care about you. All they care about is them and what they want. So if you're annoying, stop it. In Jesus' name. Don't be annoying. Like, nobody ever got saved. Man, so-and-so so annoying. I just want to follow their Jesus. <laughs> Can I go to church with you? You are so stinking annoying. So, like... <laughs> so stop it. Let's be honest. We all can be annoying, can't we? I mean, listen, you guys see me a couple times a week. You know I'm annoying, right? So it's like, but don't be annoying. Being annoying never produces the righteousness of God. So the key is, is that if you think right now, if the Holy Spirit is telling you don't be annoying, and you're being annoying in this area, breathe and say, Lord, help me not it to be all about me. Because that's when we become annoying. For the person who's loud in the morning, they're just not thoughtful of the person who's sleeping. For the person who is like a continual dripping, how many of you have ever been in a house where there's like a leaky faucet? You've never imagined something so quiet that can be so loud, right? It's like you hear it, and before you know it, it's like reverberating through your brain. When someone's being annoying, that's what they're like. And so the key is, is the key to fix being annoying is to be humble. It's not all about you. I mean, isn't that the Christian message? John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. So if you're annoying, don't be annoying. It's no good. Now, look at how this ends in verse 23. And in some ways, it ties back into what we saw in the beginning. It says in verse 23, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations when the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, The lambs will provide your clothing, 
and the goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for your food of your household, and the nourishment of your maid servants. See, what this teaches us is that we need to remember the end game. We need to remember the end game. Because remember we saw in the beginning that we don't want to be boastful about tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Here again, we're reminded. Now, all of these imagery is, is of an agrarian culture, a culture where they're planting and harvesting and they're shepherding animals. But the idea is, is look, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. So he's saying, look, be diligent to your life. Why? Look at verse 24. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure for all generations. He's saying, look, if you're in a time of blessing right now, it won't always be. So you need to be diligent to take care of your business now while you can because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it says, when the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountain are gathered in, he's saying, once all the harvesting is done, then your diligence in taking care of your life, the lamb will provide your clothing. The goats, you can sell your goats and you can buy a field. You can have milk for your food and for your family and for the people who work for you. See, the idea here is that we need to make sure that we are thoughtful about our lives and we remember the end game. And the idea of the end game is that the biggest struggle most of us have is we make every decision for the next five minutes. Like, we're so wrapped up in the moment that we don't ever think about what's going to happen a year from now. What's going to happen 10 years from now? And very rarely do we think about what is going to happen in eternity. We have to keep the end game in mind. I was just talking to someone recently who was about ready to go to college. And I was just trying to put like a little thought in his mind that, hey, you got to think past the next four years. You got to think about what happens in five years from then or how does all this play out in the long term? Every time I've ever done premarital counseling, I'm like, is that the person you want to raise kids with? Oh, we don't want to have kids. I'm like, (laughs) that's what they all say. We don't think about the end game. We don't think past the moment. And wisdom for living, skillful life takes the end game in mind. And not only how something's going to play out in a year or five years, But the Bible teaches us that this life is a small portion of eternity. Your 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years is nothing in comparison to ages upon ages without end. And not only eternity for you as an individual, but eternity for the entire human population. And we need to make decisions today that keeps the end game in mind. We need to start thinking about what does this mean for five years from now, 10 years from now? What does this mean into eternity? And we look at eternity and then we start making decisions in the present about what we're all about and who we are and what we value and what we're going to do. I think for too many of us, we've bought into it's just about the next little season of life and we forfeit the future for a season. We make a decision now that's going to radically impact later. And it's not wise. 
it misses the big picture. Brothers and sisters, listen. God will not make your decisions for you. Your faithful friends, they're not responsible for your decisions. You are. And I think our culture has gotten too good at affixing blame for everything that goes wrong rather than taking responsibility. Our culture loves to be the victim. And many of us here right now, you're just the vic- you've just decided you're the victim. And what you're doing is, is you're not taking responsibility for the life that you're living. And guess what? That's your loss. And it's the people around you's loss because you are responsible before God for your life. You need to remember the end game. This life, I'm going to turn 40 this year. I don't know where that, where that time went. I was talking to my grandma. My grandma's almost 90. She's like, I don't, know where, I, I don't know where 90 years went. If we are wise and we learn from God's one-liners, we start to say, God, I'm going to make decisions now that have not only the totality of my life thought through, but also eternity as well. So listen, as I close this, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you need to. Because God will give you an abundant life in the here and now. He doesn't say, you're going to have a lousy life here so you can have heaven. He's like, no, I'm going to blow your mind here. And I'm going to bring you on an adventure on this side of eternity that will absolutely be the most extraordinary thing you're ever a part of. And I'm going to give you eternity. You get all this and eternity. You need to say yes to Jesus and start on that journey. It will be the coolest, most amazing and challenging experience of your life. But if you're here today and you've already said yes to Jesus, listen. Don't make decisions that don't keep eternity and the future in mind. Force yourself to think beyond the next five minutes, the next five hours, the next five days, and say, what is this going to look like when I plant these seeds into my life now? What's going to blossom in five years? In 10 years? What's it going to look like in 50 years? If I am doing this now, where does it end? What's the end game? And then start deciding, is that really what I want in my life? Is that where I want to be? And start making different decisions. I believe for all of us, we're so used to instantaneous gratification. It's like, I need it right now. I needed it yesterday. And while we do that, we're forfeiting the lives that God created us for. Jesus is real. Thanks for joining us today as Pastor Daniel finished this look at Proverbs 27. He wrapped things up by encouraging you to make choices with the long view in mind. Like many people, you may get caught up in what is going on in your life right now and forget to consider the future outcome of today's decisions. You learn that you could forfeit the full life God wants you to have if you aren't living with the end game in mind. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360 256 
4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel will share more sound bites of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Throughout the teaching, you'll see the contrast between wisdom and foolishness and learn that God wants to give you what you need to be able to take care of your life's business. Pastor Daniel will encourage you to live your life in a way that reflects the truth that God is real. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.